right, this next guest, uh, it's been in the works for a couple of weeks now, but every time I try to get him on, uh, literally an emergency pops up, and that's what happens when you're the statewide director of the Division of Emergency Management. Jared Moskowitz, how are you? Good, Peter. How are you doing? I, I don't know if you remember, but the first time I think we interacted was on The Usual Suspects uh, with Steve Ancourt. Do you remember that a couple of years ago? I do. I do remember that. That was like, so their ratings went through the roof on that. They had, I think, over 25 people watch that episode as opposed to the usual uh, 16 that tune in each weekend. I, I heard it was from the usual five uh, <laughs> up to 25, which, by the way, uh, you know, is the highest ratings the show has ever had. So, well, uh, I think there was a time Matt Gates came on, too, and they got uh, okay, fine. But fine. I do remember it like when you were on, I will say I was impressed I couldn't get a word in edgewise. You couldn't get a word in edgewise. Jordan was like, you know, the circus uh, tamer who had lost control of the Tigers. Uh, but between me, you, and Bancor, it was uh, three guys somehow with like Long Island roots or something like that, just trying to get in one point after another. And it was, uh, uh, my, it was a my root, my roots didn't have enough money to live on Long Island. They were in Brooklyn. <laughs> they were in Brooklyn. Um, Vancouver's from Long Island, I believe. Um, okay, we're in the transition phase right now from stay at home to hopefully open it up. Is that a good assessment of where we're at uh, in a sentence? Uh, well, well, look, we're, we're still here uh, at the division in the 30 days to stop the spread. The White House is uh, 30 days to stop the spread uh, that obviously we have adopted. And in a lot of areas, obviously, we had uh, we were in the mitigation phase even before uh, the, the national stop the spread campaign. So that goes till April 30th. Uh, and so there's been no change in, in strategy, uh, no change in direction, no change in communication uh, on uh, still being in a mitigation uh, strategy. What you're talking about is when do we transition from mitigation to containment? Uh, and that's uh, what the uh, reopening task force basically has been assigned by the governor uh, to figure out. And so I gave a presentation to that task force yesterday uh, with kind of where we are, where we're going with some of my suggestions, especially around hurricane season. Uh, and so we'll have to look at what uh, recommendations they make to the governor on Friday and what decisions the governor decides to make thereafter. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being most lucky, how lucky did Florida get over the last six weeks? Uh, well, I mean, listen, Peter, that that's that, that's a tough answer. And I, I'll get so I'm going to give two answers. OK, okay? Um, we, we didn't get lucky. Uh, what's happened here in Florida is a, been a lot of hard work. Uh, it's been the fact that we're third in the nation in testing. It's been the fact that we've had a lot of contract tracing. Uh, it, it's the fact that we understood that we have a large state and that South Florida is different than uh, the rest of Florida. Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach are different than Union, Bradford, and Putnam County. Uh, and so uh, we were constantly analyzing the data, uh, reanalyzing it, discussing it. Uh, and so I think we've had a methodical approach around that. And so uh, I think there's been a lot of hard work, uh, which is why our numbers don't look like Michigan or Louisiana or Pennsylvania or Massachusetts uh, or Illinois. Um, and so, um, you know, that's that. As, as far as how lucky we are, I mean, look, Peter, there's a lot of families uh, in the state of Florida 
Uh, and even though I know our, our death rate is not the same as some of those other states, you know, there are still over eight, there are still over 800 people now that, that have lost their lives uh, from, from COVID-19 in the state of Florida. So for those families, that's not lucky. Uh, for the families that had loved ones in the hospital or on ventilators that have recovered or are still there that they can't visit in the hospital, they can't be by their bedside, that, that's not lucky. Uh, and so for the folks that have lost their business uh, and are now on, you know, trying to get unemployment checks, uh, that's not lucky. Uh, and so, you know, I understand that our numbers aren't anywhere near what the predictions were. That's good news. Uh, uh, but there are still a lot of families that have been affected by COVID-19 here. What is your uh, daily, I think people would be interested to know, what does your daily routine look like right now over the last couple of weeks? Or, I mean, this is now going into week, what are we, week six of uh, of this? Um, what is your, what is, how do you fill your days? I mean, I know you're running on almost 20 hours a day or something like that, but what does it look like? So uh, I wake up. Uh, I drink a cup of coffee uh, and watch Morning Joe. So as long as it takes me to drink that cup of coffee is as long as I watch Morning Joe. Uh, shower, brush my teeth to the office. Uh, and then 18, 19 hour days. Even when I go back to my house, uh, uh, 9, 10 o'clock at night, I'm still on the phone till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then if I decide to figure out if I have time to watch TV or, or clock in the morning to try to to try to <laughs> veg out for a second who is an unsung hero uh, of this situation i see a lot of folks in the background of you right now and i know that those folks are i mean i can't even see what some of the state finance and there's so many people back there that are working uh, at dem who are a couple of unsung heroes that uh, have really stood out over the last six weeks well i mean look I, i'm not going to point anybody out you know there, there is no one person who's an unsung hero the what everything you've been seeing happen is a, is a collective effort i mean clearly the folks that are on the front lines are doctors our nurses our our hospital staff uh everybody who works there the folks that work in the long-term care facilities uh that you know no matter what they do no matter if they're wearing the ppe if they've locked the facility down after screening sometimes there's just no way to keep covid 19 out the folks working at Publix, you know and other food stores making sure that you know our people have food supply and and that uh you know they have toilet paper i'll never be, be able to figure out why uh as a pandemic was happening toilet paper was the one thing, the one essential commodity people thought they must have to survive. Um, uh, you know, you're talking about all the folks that are still working in the restaurants, uh, keeping, you know, takeout uh, going on. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, it, you know, all of our first responders out there in the community, police, fire, um, you know, uh, the, the list is just goes on and on. But I'll tell you, the folks behind, behind here, uh, who, by the way, have worked uh, Hermine, Matthew, Irma, Dorian, and now the pandemic. Uh, year after year after year, they're underpaid and underappreciated uh, for what for for what for what they do. Uh, and and you know, and my partners at Florida Health and 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 ACA, uh, I mean, people are working around the clock. Uh, you know, trying to make sure that we do everything. Uh, that we can. The folks in my logistics department uh, who I'm yelling and screaming 
uh, at every single day to find any mask, to find any gown, to find any glove, uh, get it from whoever has it, uh, uh, pay uh, a reasonable uh, rate, uh, make sure we don't get the state in, in, in any uh, issues of our sending money out the door without receiving the product. Uh, I mean, look, we're, we're at 12 million masks now that we've been able to distribute around the state. And that's that's not because that came easy. It be, it's because there's blood, sweat, and tears trying to make sure that we can get that life-saving stuff down to the front lines. Is there something that – so there are so many success stories. Is there something right now that you um, wish you had done or that the state had done a little bit better going into this? Well, I mean, listen, the, 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 you know, we'll do an after-action review, right? Hindsight is always uh, twenty twenty. You know, look, California had 25 million and 95 masks on hand because uh, of the fires that they had. Right. So so they, they had a cache of stuff to start with. So, you know, if you asked me, you know, what what could we have done differently? What should we have done? You know, I, I guess we could talk about how the state uh, going back years now should have invested in having a larger cache of things. But again, Peter, that's easy to say now. Whoever thought the N95 mask would become like diamonds, okay? I mean, right now, the N95 mask is more valuable than a barrel of oil. Who would have taken that bet? Uh, and, and so it's, it's easy to, to do that. I, I love people that, you know, that aren't in the arena, that, you know, sit at their desk and, and say, oh, we should have had millions of N95 masks. Really? Well, show me that tweet from two years ago that they said we should have had millions of N95 masks in hand. But, you know, uh, it, I think there's a lot of things that are going to change, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to that. You know, we got to make stuff in this country again. The idea that uh, that it's a national security issue and that we're depending upon foreign countries to get me ventilators, to get me prescription drugs, to get me surgical gowns and gloves, life-saving stuff, uh, and I got to fly that in. Uh, from around from around the world, I got to compete with everybody except Antarctica. I mean that that that's got to change. Um, all right, let me ask you the questions that I ask everybody on this pod, just because I want to get you in under the fifteen minute. I try to make these bite size. When did coronavirus get real for you? Um, I know you have access to a lot more information than the average public, but when did it trip to you where hey, this is going to be something much more serious than? even a hurricane or something like that? Well, I mean, I would say in late February here, uh, it started to become uh, very real for us. In early February, we actually did a training exercise with Craig Fugate uh, on uh, pandemics, where uh, we literally came uh, in and the training exercise, uh, it was a, what's called a no-notice exercise. So they come in and they run an exercise, they knock on the door that very day, so we're not prepared for that. That's how you wanna do an exercise. And that exercise literally was that there was a pandemic and we lost the EOC because the pandemic had gotten into the EOC and we had, oh, wow. to, run this, and we had to run this building uh, remotely. Uh, and so it was to test the VPN connections on whether or not we could run this building remotely, still uh, basically have uh, emergency management and do everything from outside of the facility. And so we had a 75% uh, 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 success rate with all the VPN connections. We were able to actually to get that fixed uh, before we ever got activated. And so that turned out to be an invaluable thing. And so that made it somewhat real. But then in, in late February, I started buying uh, some early commodities, uh, respirators, N95 masks, gowns, gloves, 
Uh, obviously, we weren't buying it by the by the millions that uh, we now are because at that point in time, nobody knew how far reaching this was going to grow. Uh, but that that's when it became became real for me. Um, I know that you have uh, younger children who are. I have mine in my room right now as uh, I'm trying to tape this podcast um, as they just got done washing the dog. So it's kind of a menagerie of of mammals right now flying through the room. Um, <laughs> and I've told people that's what hunkering down is about. You know that this is some of the pot we had. Um, we had we've had all sorts of background noises in different uh, episodes. Um, what was your last normal day like? I don't even know when that w- could have been for you. But do you remember what it was like? No. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I don't. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I've I, I've been able to go home uh, two nights. Uh, I've slept in my bed uh, two nights out of the last six weeks. Uh, we had opened uh, testing sites up in in South Florida, uh, and so you know I stayed uh, those nights to to spend some time with my family. What what's even crazier is is that you know my family is going through this, and other than seeing it on Facetime and talking to them on the phone, I I, don't, I have barely seen what their daily routine is. Uh, in their house, uh, other than the, the two nights that I got to spend there, the seven hours I spent at home, eight hours I spent at home before I was back out uh, the next the next morning. Uh, you know, my three year old can can do a hundred piece puzzle, which uh, he couldn't do when I left. Yeah. Um, you know, and I got to give a, a shout out to my wife. I mean, you know, everyone gives me you know some sort of credit of what I'm doing here, but I got to tell you. I don't know who's got the harder job, uh, what I'm doing or my wife with a six-year-old and three-year-old boy on a, on a regular day before the pandemic, let alone stuck in the house with them for, uh, for, for six weeks. And, and uh, you know, she's doing a lot of work on her own. And so I'm, I'm very thankful uh, for, what, for what she's doing. And so, uh, you know, look, that's been tough, Peter. You know, I, obviously I'm, I miss my kids. You know, the six-year-old's doing really well. Uh, the, you know, the three-year-old, you know, six weeks in a three-year-old's life, there's a lot of changes going on. I come home, there's new words, there's new, new stands that he can put together, new sentences. Um, you know, and so I, 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 I miss the kids. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, a lot of people have been talking, and this is a little bit of an interesting subject. I, I don't mean to spring this on you, but a lot of people have been talking about how good your hair is uh, during some of these um, uh, press conferences. And so a lot of people want to know, how much you're paying uh, one of the big pharmaceutical companies to helicopter in uh, a personal supply of uh, air product. And uh, I, I think we're going to have a little bit of some what you would call an after action investigation into maybe you're using your position to secure uh, maybe more hair gel than uh, the average Floridian uh, has at this point. And so do you care to comment about the the burgeoning scandal about how you're able to have good hair while the governor uh, clearly has not had a haircut in uh, several weeks. Okay, first of all, okay, if you <laughs> saw my father, okay, if you saw my father, the fact that I have this hair would be a miracle. Number one, number two is it's kind of receding on the on the sides right here. Oh, I, I got it. Yeah, right. It, <laughs> I know you, how you, that you is. You can you can you can kind of you can kind of see that. Um, but as far as the pharmaceuticals, yes. Uh, I, I want to look into the camera, and I, I want to admit to everybody watching, I've been taking Propecia for 10 years. It's a true, it's a true story. I pay for it myself. I'm not abusing my my uh, position as the emergency management director to somehow get secret lines of Propecia. Um, but uh, Propecia, 
uh, Nioxin is my shampoo. Uh, and then the foam that I put on the back of my hair where, where I'm starting to, you know, you know, yeah. thin out, it thin out in the back. Um, so, uh, but yes, I, I do enjoy a, a, a little bit of hair product. Michelle, she'll take pictures of me and she'll capture me from behind. And I'm like, who the hell is that guy with the bald spot? And she's like, no, that's you. And I'm like, yeah, Peter, oh. Peter, do you ever notice how, like, when it comes to posting photos, you know, they have to pick the best photo of them. It doesn't matter what we look like in the photo. It's, but like, yes. Right. Yes. So, yeah, no, I, my, I get a lot of those photos with the side view, which is a wonderful, <laughs> a wonderful vision. I, I love when the chick takes pictures of like my mouth open. And so there's like nine chins going on. I'm like, Oh, well you look great. And you're, you have no wrinkles in your forehead, but I look like, um, I just ate a uh, 12 inch uh, sandwich. Um, I know you haven't had much time, but we ask everybody for recommendations on what to do while they're hunkering down. Um, is there anything that you're, I don't know, in between, uh, emergency briefings, um, that you're watching or reading that uh, you want to share with the audience? Well, I mean, I, I don't get much downtime, uh, if at all. So the things I, I haven't been able to absorb the amount of stuff that's out there like everybody else, unfortunately. My, my experience of this is, is, and everyone behind me has been very different than, than, you know, the regular experience, which is, you know, stuck in your home with your family, you know, trying to find, you know, ways to pass the time. Uh, you know, my, my experience is I've been, we've been, I've been working the whole time. Uh, and so I don't even know what it's like to, to, you know, be stuck in your home, you know, and, and, you know, playing board games or watching TV or, you know, you know, f doing fun zoom things or a TikTok video. Uh, so someone will eventually have to explain to me what that, what that was like. Um, cause I, I unfortunately did not have that experience, but yeah. a couple of hours, uh, uh, about a, a, I mean, a you know, 25 minutes here, 30 minutes there, uh, late in the middle of the morning over the last week or so, I found the series Waco on Netflix, and it uh, it's an older series. I think it's like two years old. Very intense, very well done, very good. Uh, I was I was hooked hooked on that. Uh, I did watch Tiger King. It took me a month to get through Tiger King just based on watching. Uh, little snippets here and there. So I, I am up on the Joe Exotic. Um, you don't get a little, like, time to play cards? I mean, honestly, like, you know, uh, even presidents get to. Is that, you know, like like, your vi is that like your vision? Me, the governor, Rifkies, Mary Mayhew, all sitting around a table just playing war? I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that kind of insight. Like, do you, you know, it, it was that you, you had done something like that. Um, see, I could banter with you all day, but you have um, stuff to do. I'll, last question on a scale of 10 to 10. Um, how good has Florida politics been doing covering this entire pandemic? So you, you think I've been following Twitter? You always do a good job. I would tell you, though, be honest, I haven't seen my name in your little sheet. with. Oh, the I know. I know. Yeah. We haven't. Listen, you know, I uh, there was another statewide Democrat who I was going to give an arrow to this week. Maybe not an up arrow, and I was told, I was warned heavily not to do it. So, um, you know, those up arrows, down arrows, uh, they can be dangerous. Every yeah, no, then. listen, uh, that those are those are those are powerful things. The, <laughs> the, the the judgment day of the up, down, or sideways arrow. The sideways arrow, some mother. Um, you know, let me ask you this before I let you go: Are, are we? How prepared are we for inevitable hurricane 
you know, X out there. Like, I know that you've got to handle this pandemic and we are going to be dealing with this, but how are we uh, ramped up for uh, Mother sure. Nature's other uh, lovely gift to us? No, that's a that's a great question. So the, the, the truth is, is that very early on, we recognized that we had to be doing those plans. So we separated out a, a planning team uh, on hurricanes. I'm in constant consultation with both uh, Craig Fugate uh, and a former FEMA administrator, Brock Long, uh, on that. Uh, and, and so uh, there's been a, a whole group of people that have been helping us come up with different uh, thoughts. And we're going to be uh, releasing a, a, a draft plan to our county emergency managers in the next couple of weeks for their input. And we're working with FEMA uh, on that as well. So things to consider, right? How do we do evacuations? Do we evacuate uh, uh, out of certain counties into certain counties based on uh, the spread of coronavirus? How does that differ if we're looking at a early June, early July storm versus an October storm? How does that factor into how our policies should be? Should we have mass congregate sheltering, like the mass shelters we open? Should those be in schools? If we take people's temperatures and someone has a high temperature, do we divert them to a COVID shelter? Uh, even if we take people's temperatures, COVID will still get into the facility because there are people who are asymptomatic. So should we do those at all? What I'm talking to FEMA about is doing temporary sheltering assistance, which would be to put people potentially in hotel rooms and not do mass shelters. We may come up with a whole new category. Usually it's recommended evacuation, mandatory evacuation. Depending upon how strong the storm is, uh, and, you know, and when your house was built, if you're under the new uh, Hurricane Andrew Miami-Dade building code after 1992, we may issue a stay-at-home order. And for those folks that don't fall into that category, issue a mandatory evacuation. We may look at where you are in, in a surge zone. You know, if you're clearly right on the coast, then, then there'll be a, an evacuation order. But we may now look at whether or not, you know, if you're a little further away, and your house was built after uh, Hurricane Andrew under the new code, maybe you should stay at home. Uh, and so these are all the things we're looking at. You know, how is this fuel supply going to work? Uh, people who are unemployed that can no longer afford the ability to evacuate could before the before the pandemic can't can't now. How will we be able to feed people uh, if we have a couple of weeks uh, with no with no electricity? Uh, you know, all of these things. Uh, are different. Volunteers, we won't have the same level of volunteers. EMAC, where other states come and give us equipment, that's probably not going to happen. Can we go to people who are unemployed and bring them back on and enlist them and pay them uh, to help us out uh, in hurricane uh, recovery? These are all of the ideas that mm. that that we're tossing around. And so, you know, we, we got it. We also got to have a June plan and an August October, September, October plan, because I think those plans are also are also different, right? If we get an early June, July storm, won't be as strong, probably more COVID-19 prevalence in the community. August, September, October, maybe a stronger storm, probably less COVID-19 prevalence. And so we have to have multiple contingency plans. Well, that's uh, very informative. I appreciate that. Um, are you worried? I, I, are you worried that some people, Alexa, shut up. Um, are you worried that people might not heed warnings? Like there is going to be a little bit of, there's going to be some pushback here. You're starting to see it from people that are like, oh, my God, 100,000 people were supposed to die in the country and not that many. And they are going to extrapolate out and say, hey, they told us this pandemic was going to be horrible. I would argue, you know, models are self-defeating. But do you worry at all? I mean, uh, about people not heeding the warnings of government going forward? Well, that's always the struggle in emergency management. 
uh, is that you know you only have a limited time to deliver your message, and if you don't, and if your message is wrong or is doubted, the next time you go back to them, uh, it's going to be more difficult, right? If you over evacuate, let's just think hurricanes. If we over evacuate and then the storm doesn't hit, it turns. The next time we go to those people and we tell them you need to leave, uh, it 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 falls on more more deaf ears. And so listen, uh, there's no doubt. Right. Looking at the models at first, we were going to peak on May 4th. Then we were going to peak on April 21st. Then we were going to peak on April 26th. And, and now apparently we peaked. OK. On April on April 2nd. Uh, you know, that would be like me saying the hurricane is seven days away. Wait, it's five days away. Oh, wait, it happened last week. You the hurricane it. came you, last week. Right? You, I know. You, you, you missed it. And so, you know, that hurts our ability uh, in my opinion, in the emergency management space, to get out accurate information, for it to be absorbed, believed, and for people to act on that information. Uh, communications nowadays is very difficult in emergency management because you're competing with a lot of, uh, obviously, uh, incoming from people in their daily lives. Now, potentially not so much because people are stuck at home. Uh, but, you know, look, here in Florida, we're used to all the different spaghetti models. You know, one's going, staying out the sea. One goes over, you know, the panhandle. One takes into the Gulf. Where is it going? Uh, and, and so I think people here understand how, you know, models are great. Uh, but, but you know, until it actually gets closer to happening, uh, it, you know, you can't just rely, uh, rely on the models. And so, you look, the one thing I am worried about going forward is as, we potentially try to open things back up uh, in the event we see a spike and we have to close it back down. That started starting and stopping, I think, is going to be very difficult for people to deal with. Uh, and I think at that point in time, you know, we, we might see more people, you know, uh, try to go, you know, rage against the machine, if you will, uh, in, in those orders, which is why I think a very detailed, methodical approach uh, of reopening something slightly slower uh, you know, in China, the last things to come online were the movie theaters, and the first thing to reclose again were the movie theaters. Uh, and, and so, I, I just think we got to look, we got to take best practices, we got to design things correctly. We want our economy to come back as fast as possible. It's extremely important. There's no doubt that as the unemployment numbers continue to tick up, that comes with a whole other set of issues. Um, uh, you know, it's not just you know, potentially mental illness increases or, uh, you know, alcohol abuse, child abuse. Uh, you know, it's not all, all those, just those issues. It becomes, you know, where are people going to get food from feeding people, uh, you know, depending upon how high unemployment gets. And so uh, the people who have been talking about that, the governor has talked about that really from day one. Uh, he's correct that that brings a whole different systemic issue. And can we sustain that uh, as well? Uh, uh, you know, from a state, from a financial uh, standpoint. Um, and so trying to figure out that right balance. We hate picking winners and losers, right? We always hear that from our elected officials. We don't want to pick winners and losers. Uh, but but to be honest, well, you know. Well, from one uh, elected official in particular, we do hear that um, a certain uh, cigar manufacturer down in South Florida. So, well, look, I, I listen, I, I talked to the speaker uh, I, I think I think he gets it right. I, I think I think he absolutely gets it. He understands that the economy's gotta gotta open back up. Uh, and but at the same time, we gotta be smart about it. Uh, it's about being smart. It's about being logical. It's about being methodical. It's about having a plan. Uh, I don't think anybody really thinks that we can just flick a light switch uh, and we can go back to January 10th. Uh, uh, but we have to get the economy back. 
Uh, we, we can't just be shut down for the month of May and for the month of June, uh, you know, because the, the problems that will come from that, uh, you know, everyone doesn't like to talk about the word depression. Uh, but, but if we were to get into a depression, uh, the things that the pictures that we've seen in the books, the stories that people have told, we, we will live that in modern times. Uh, and so I do, I do think we have to figure out how we keep people safe, how we continue mitigation, but at the same time also move to a containment strategy. Uh, and so, you know, I look forward to seeing the recommendations out of the task force. Um, well, I appreciate your time today. Um, you're doing a great job. I'm not going to embarrass you with any questions about what your future holds, although I will say as somebody that writes, writes a site called Florida Politics, you certainly have a bright one um in it so thank you very much thank you on behalf of everyone for the tremendous job you and your team have done uh navigating us through this very difficult time yeah i can tell you all my future uh involves me spending more time with my kids but that doesn't seem like that's uh, happening anytime soon yeah they all say that my friend they all say that all right thank you thanks peter